Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to the Sierra Wireless second quarter earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Mr. David Climey, Vice President of Investor Relations at Sierra Wireless. Please go ahead. Thanks and good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining today's conference call and webcast. On the call today are Ken Thexton, President and CEO, and Sam Cochran, our CFO. As a reminder, today's presentation is being webcast. It will be available on our website following the call. Today's agenda is as follows. Kent will provide his corporate update, and Sam will provide a detailed review of our second quarter 2020 results, followed by Q&A. Before we get started, I will reference the company's cautionary note regarding forward-looking statements. A summary of our cautionary note can be found on page two of the webcast and is now being displayed. Today's presentation contains certain statements and information that are not based on historical facts and constitute forward-looking statements within the meaning of securities laws. These statements include our strategy, goals, objectives, expectations, and commentary regarding the outlook for our business. Our forward-looking statements are based on a number of material assumptions, including those listed on page two of the webcast presentation, which could prove to be significantly incorrect. Additionally, forward-looking statements are based on our management's current expectations, and we caution investors that forward-looking statements, particularly those who relate to longer periods of time, are subject to substantial known and unknown material risks and uncertainties that could cause actual events or results to differ significantly from those expressed or implied by our forward-looking statements. I draw your attention to a longer discussion of our risk factors on our annual information form and management's discussion and analysis, which can be found on CDAR and EDGAR, as well as other regulatory filings. This presentation should be viewed in conjunction with our quarterly earnings release. With that, I will now turn the call over to Kent for his corporate update. Thanks, David. Our second quarter results were in line with our expectations, despite a very dynamic operating environment and some supply chain challenges. Our recurring and other services revenue in Q2 was $28.1 million, up year over year and sequentially. The sequential increase was the result of improved activity in our IoT solutions verticals while absorbing some usage slowdowns due to COVID. The overall number of connected devices was stable in Q2 compared to the prior quarter. Our team was engaged in a broad range of IoT solutions opportunities in Q2, and LTAR design wins were $20.4 million, sequentially lower than the strong $40 million in Q1 due to COVID-19 slowing some contract signatures. I will share later on some solid service wins and that the overall funnel of opportunities is strong. With an increasing number of people working from home and remotely during COVID-19, our networking and PCOEM business also experienced a sequential increase in Q2 as our customers had improving demand throughout the quarter, and we expect this trend to continue into the current quarter. 
Given the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, our revenue in Q2 was largely impacted by the weakness in the automotive segment. As you know, the automotive manufacturers temporarily closed many of their production facilities, and this impacted our demand in the second quarter. However, we are pleased to see most OEM factories have reopened, including the car makers' retail showrooms, and overall demand is improving. Excluding the COVID-related decline in our Q2 automotive revenues, the rest of our business was up sequentially despite some supply challenges and slowdowns from COVID. Internally, our workforce has been productive during the pandemic, and we recently reopened our offices in North America and Europe, as our Asian offices had opened earlier. We are taking a prudent, gradual approach to the reopening, and it is progressing well with our employees. I'm also pleased that our global teams are working very closely with our customers, suppliers, and manufacturers to ensure planned shipments, production allocations, and support services are being managed properly. I would now like to take a few minutes to talk about the announced divestiture of our automotive product line to Rolling Wireless, a consortium that is led by Fibercom Wireless, publicly traded on the Shenzhen Stock Exchange. On July 23rd, we announced a definitive agreement to divest our automotive embedded module line for $165 million, including approximately $19 million in cash. Revenue for the automotive line last year was $166 million. This strategic divestiture enables us to strengthen our focus on fully integrated device-to-cloud IoT solutions that generate higher value recurring revenue. It also allows our R&D teams to focus on our key 5G enterprise programs, including embedded modules for our mobile broadband and our new gateways and routers for our enterprise networking customers. The sale of the automotive product line unlocks shareholder value, improves our balance sheet by providing additional liquidity, and allows us to increase our market leadership in integrated IoT solutions. We expect the transaction to close in the fourth quarter of 2020, and it is subject to normal closing conditions, as well as approval from the Ministry of Commerce in China. Going forward, our go-to-market teams will remain focused on delivering device, cloud platform, and connectivity service solutions to our customers. We are seeing more industrial and enterprise IoT customers adopting our fully integrated IoT solutions because they have a low total cost of ownership, faster time to market, and they are easily scalable. We have the advantage of working with our customers early in the design cycle, starting with our devices, and our ability to bundle quality hardware with fully integrated connectivity service and 24 by seven support is a key differentiator when we're up against our competition. As mentioned, LTAR in the second quarter was 20.4 million, sequentially lower due to the impact of the COVID-19 situation. That said, we did secure a number of solid wins, and I'd like to share four case examples from Q2. One of our customers needed an IoT connectivity solution they could deploy initially in the U.S. and then roll out in Europe. It's a retail enterprise locker delivery service where items purchased online are placed in collection lockers for pickup, and customers can open the locker with a QR code that is emailed to them. The differentiator in this deployment was our integrated end-to-end solution where we provided our customers with a Sierra Smart SIM, our cloud platform, and an LX60 gateway device. The turnkey IoT solution, the customer immediately has a scalable, reliable, single source solution. The services Altar is expected to be 1.8 million, and the gateway hardware is about half a million. Another customer, specializing in industrial air compressors, was looking for an IoT solution that could gather real-time data from its equipment at the edge of the network. 
the company had compressors located in South Asia, Europe, and the U.S. Our initial discussions with them started with an LPWA gateway and quickly moved on to how they were going to connect and manage the data. An integrated solution that included our FX30 gateway and smart SIM for connectivity was the answer. And they could use the solution to scale worldwide quickly and easily. The services Altar is expected to be 1.3 million and hardware revenue of approximately 0.7 million. Another example was a leading global medical device manufacturer that develops patient lift systems to monitor the equipment in hospitals and homes. The combination of our LPWA CAT1 M1 module and Sierra's connectivity services provides the customer with a single solution across regions and enables them to proactively manage downtime and maintenance. The services LTR is expected to be 1.2 million and total hardware revenue of about 0.8 million. A fourth example is a global automotive solutions customer that was looking for a leading IoT solution to collect and analyze vehicle data. We are enabling their in-vehicle hardware with our WP76 ready-to-connect module, and then we went on to win their connectivity business using our global smart sim. This unified, robust solution is being deployed in the U.S. and scaled into other geographic regions. The services at Altar is expected to be about $1.4 million, and the revenue from hardware just over $5 million. These four design wins are good use case examples of how we bundle our device with recurring services to win against the competition, increase our subscription-based revenue, and drive shareholder value. As we look forward, I'm also excited about the market opportunity for our new 5G embedded modules and 5G gateways and routers. We've been working very hard with some of our top customers on key design wins in enterprise networking and we'll be launching our 5G products starting later in the third quarter. Our 5G funnel is strong. We have 15 design wins to date with some key customers, and the market interest looks good. We believe key end markets for 5G applications, in addition to enterprise networking, include public safety, public transit, and asset monitoring in the areas such as manufacturing, energy, infrastructure, utilities, and commercial security. Along with the scheduled launch of our 5G embedded modules, we'll be announcing several high-end 5G gateways and routers for industrial and enterprise applications. For those customers requiring high-speed wireless broadband connectivity with low latency, 5G will certainly be the IoT solution that meets their needs. Globally, our team at Sierra remains very focused on launching our 5G programs as mentioned, as well as delivering innovative, fully integrated IoT solutions that generate higher margin recurring revenue. And with Sam Cochran as our new CFO, we are very much focused on improving the company's overall operating efficiency with a strong focus on cash and cash generation. With that, I will now pass over to Sam for his review of the second quarter results. Thank you, Kent. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm very excited to have joined Sierra Wireless as Chief Financial Officer. My focus will be on running a profitable growth company that delivers free cash flow. Given the current macro environment and the COVID-19 pandemic, it is vitally important that we focus on cash, improving the company's overall operating efficiency and generating positive earnings. I will make additional comments on that in my prepared remarks shortly. As a reminder, our second quarter financial results are reported in U.S. dollars and on a U.S. GAAP basis, 
We also present non-GAAP results to provide a better understanding of our operating performance. A full reconciliation between our GAAP and non-GAAP results is available on the IR page of our website. Total revenue in the second quarter was $144.1 million, down 24.7% compared to Q2 2019. In a challenging global environment, our quarterly results were aligned with our expectations. Non-GAAP gross margin in the second quarter was 31.8% compared to 30.8% in the second quarter last year reflecting slightly improved margins in both our reporting segments. Our non-GAAP operating expenses in Q2 were $55.8 million, basically flat year over year from Q2 2019. The second quarter OPEX this year includes the addition of the M2M group, which we acquired in January 2020. Our non-GAAP net loss was $11.1 million, and adjusted EBITDA was negative 5.3 million, compared to a non-GAAP profit of 2.5 million and adjusted EBITDA of 7.9 million a year ago. Operationally, given the global COVID-19 pandemic, we did experience some tight component supply issues in Q2 related to some of our suppliers in Malaysia, the Philippines, and Mexico. Additionally, we also had some challenges related to the transportation of goods and logistics as cargo capacity on carrier and specialized flights remained tight. Revenue in our IoT solution segment was lower by 17.5% year over year. Within our IoT solution segment, recurring and other services revenue was 28.1 million, up 12% year over year, driven by growth in connected devices and the addition of acquired M2M group revenue. Recurring and other services revenue represented 19.5% of consolidated revenue. The growth in recurring revenue in Q2 was offset by lower hardware revenue, primarily due to slower economic activity in energy, sales and payment, and public safety, some supply constraints related to the COVID-19 pandemic, and continuing pressure from low-priced competitors in hardware-only segments. Revenue in our embedded broadband segment was down by 32.5% year-over-year. This decline was primarily the result of automotive revenue being lower in the quarter as a result of the OEMs closing their factories and weak end market demand for vehicles in the quarter related to the COVID-19 pandemic and lower mobile computing revenue year-over-year due to prior design win losses. Total gross margin was $45.9 million, or 31.8% in Q2, compared to 30.8% the prior year. Compared to Q1 2020, gross margin increased sequentially by 410 basis points. This reflects IoT Solutions gross margin of 37.3%, up 170 basis points sequentially due to higher recurring revenue, and embedded broadband gross margin of 24.6% in Q2, up 480 basis points sequentially due to higher volumes in mobile computing and networking sales at higher gross margins and lower volume in automotive at lower gross margins. Moving to the balance sheet, we ended the second quarter with 62.5 million of cash. 
Specifically, during the quarter, cash flow from operations was positive $5.7 million. Capital expenditures in the quarter were $6.5 million, resulting in free cash flow just under break-even. During the quarter, we repaid $10 million from the existing revolving line of credit. These activities resulted in a $10.3 million decrease in our cash balance from first quarter 2020. During the quarter, we amended our revolving credit agreement with CIBC to increase our total borrowing capacity from $30 million to $50 million, and the maturity date was extended to April 2023. And in late July, we entered into a $12.5 million Canadian dollar term loan agreement with CIBC backed by the Canadian government's credit program to provide additional liquidity. Regarding full year 2020, the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on our global business continues to remain uncertain. Given these conditions, we will continue to not provide guidance, although we are seeing some business improvements. In conjunction with the recently announced divestiture of the automotive business and our focus to grow profitably, we have initiated actions to reduce operating expenses by approximately $20 million, which serves to right-size the remaining business. This cost reduction program includes the OPEX associated with the divestiture of the automotive product line, as well as other initiatives we're taking in the second half of the year. These measures are to ensure the company is profitable and cash flow positive in 2021, following the closing of the automotive divestiture, which we expect to be completed in the fourth quarter. That ends my prepared remarks today. Operator, I would now like to open the call for questions. And as a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star one on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound or hash key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from line of Mike Walkley from Canaccord Genuity. Your line is open. Great. Uh, thank you very much. Just first question, just, just to, the, to the last point on the guidance. I understand a lot of companies aren't guiding, but uh, can you just you know, update us a little bit on the, maybe the linearity throughout the quarter, um, you know, see, seeing if you're seeing some gradual improvements in the global economy, and if so, do those trends uh, continue into July? Uh, hi, Mike. Good morning. Kent Thexton here. Thank you for the question. Good to speak with you. So linearity throughout the quarter, I would say that we um, June we saw more business activity start to pick up, and I think that uh, you know in, in general we're seeing uh, progress as as we mentioned on the call. Uh, there are areas that are stronger and areas that are weaker. Um, in our uh, in our in our networking embedded broadband area, we've seen um, strong demand um, combined with some supply challenges as as, as that area of the ramp. Um, you know, other segments, uh, industrial segments like oil and gas, have been slow. Um, but uh, in general, we've seen uh, um, activity start to pick up in June, and so we you know we're continuing to uh, to progress and um, you know are seeing. Um, seeing progress progress in the business, and uh, you know, while uh, uncertainty remains, you know, we're uh, we're happy with how things are moving forward. Great, thanks. And Ken, just just a follow up question on the on the five G progress. Can, can you just help us think about the opportunity, for, you know, for both lines of your business? You know, when you think this could really help kind of the networking and PCO 
OEM module wins along with some of the 5G routers and gateways? You know, how much of a step function could this be for your business uh, you know, into 2021? Yeah, Mike, I, you know, 5G is, um, is shaping up nicely. I think it is more of a 2021 impact. We expect to launch our first um, 5G modules in Europe uh, this quarter, Q3, and in North America in Q4. Um, and so while that activity starts to come in, it'll be fairly early stages. Um, we have a, a strong pipeline of customer interest. Um, as mentioned in the call, 15 design wins already is, uh, is strong. Um, so it will it will start to uh, it will start to um, provide uh, revenue uh, positive uh, impacts in 2021. Uh, also, as we refresh our um, AirLink Enterprise Gateway business with uh, 5G devices, it's uh, it's a full product refresh update that we'll be rolling out uh, in 2021. So we're we're excited about the opportunities there for more advanced. Um, software and features on our, our you know, our, our leading position in um, uh, public safety and uh, industrial gateways. Great. <clears throat> Thanks. And just a question maybe for, for Sam on the, on the gross margin um, trends in the business. Can you help us just think about maybe embedded broadband where the gross margins trend, you know, once you uh, do the divestiture and then on IOT solutions as businesses, you know, recover, um, higher margin, gateways come back into the mix, you know, and you're continuing to nicely grow recurring revenue. You know, where, can you remind us kind of long-term margin targets and IoT solutions? Yeah, sure. Um, I, IoT solutions, I'll, I'll start with that one. Um, you're right on the mix. You know, as we see uh, recovering oil and gas, utilities, um, you know, public safety, we will see that higher margin business uh, pick up, and that will, you know, be upward trajectory uh, on our gross margins. The second uh, piece of that is also our connectivity. As we see more connected devices grow and we grow our recurring revenue, that will also be an increasing share of our mix. Um, so gross margins will also be, uh, you know, that's a good tailwind for gross margins there as well. Now, on the embedded broadband, you know, as you know, automotive was a lower margin business. So as that uh, is divested, as we work towards closing that transaction, you know, the remaining mix on, on the sort of mobile computing, uh, networking, uh, networking modules and, and such are, uh, are higher margin than, than automotive, but, uh, but still a, an overall sort of lower margin business in the IoT solutions business. Um, long, long-term targets. We're not providing any at, at this time, but uh, you know, you got to think that with automotive on, on the way out, uh, re recurring revenue growing, and as enterprise uh, builds back up with uh, you know oil and gas, public safety, utilities picking back up post-COVID, there's a lot of tailwinds uh, for our margin as we move forward. And Mike, maybe it can't help make one further nope. make one for one further comment on gross margins. I think that you know you you will see as as the divestitures complete, and you know, we expect that will happen in Q4. Um, that uh, you know in in first clean quarter, you'll you'll see a, a good step function in uh, in gross margin as um, you know the the business is dominated by uh, IoT solutions. Great. I hope everybody stays healthy on the call, and thanks for taking my questions. Thanks, Mike. And again, that's star one. If you would like to ask a question, your next question comes from line of Paul Treber from RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open. Um, thanks very much and good morning. 
just was hoping they could provide some background on the sale of the automotive business. You know, how long has that been in the works? Uh, and was that a key element of your strategy when you first joined as CEO? Uh, hi, Paul. Good morning. Thank you for the question. So I think that on, you know, our, our strategy has been consistent of being the global leader in IoT solutions, um, building our capability, provide complete bundles of, uh, of hardware uh, with connectivity, with cloud, with security. Uh, so that's been our focus, and that's where we've been working to drive <clears throat> to. Uh, automotive uh, didn't have a lot of synergies with, uh, with that strategy. <clears throat> it has been an area... Um, you know, with strong R&D investment, it's been an important part of uh, of, of the company's uh, growth. Um, the opportunity for uh, for this transaction came along, and um, you know, we we look at opportunities and analyze them, and we felt this was uh, you know best for creating shareholder value to be able to to realize the uh, the value of that asset, which we think we've done very favorably, uh, and continue to uh, to work focus really on the growth of our. IoT solutions and, uh, and enterprise business lines. So I wouldn't say that this was, um, you know, you have to be, uh, you have to uh, focus on the market opportunities. This was a, um, a potential area of strategic opportunity. And uh, yes, it has come to fruition. And for modeling purposes, or, or when we look up for the year, or even just looking at the quarter, could you provide some indication of how automotive revenue was tracking or is expected to track through the year? And I'm just trying to gauge the, the magnitude of contraction in automotive relative to your other um, hardware business lines. Yeah, Paul, I think that um, you know, you'll, you'll see as we report Q3 in November, we'll be giving a complete um, rollout of, uh, of, of automotive segments. So we're not going to get into... Uh, that many specific details right now. We're going to focus on getting the transaction um, closed, and we'll we'll roll through that. But if we did announce that uh, automotive revenue last year was 166, and I think that you can, uh, you know, we would we would expect that overall there would be modest growth on that number, you know, uh, in on a whole year basis as we uh, as we include the slowdown in Q2. And. Over the last couple of months, I mean, you've had a number of new board members join. You know, what's been the, um, you know, the, the the feedback from them on the on the company's strategy, um, and you know, what's been their their contribution uh, to date uh, from a from a board perspective? Yeah, thanks, Paul. Um, well, we put a lot of energy and effort into onboarding our new directors to get them up to speed with you know, um, um, industry details, our strategy, um, uh, et cetera. And then obviously a, a transaction of this nature is, uh, is important uh, board consideration. So we did a lot of uh, work bringing the board uh, up to speed on the transaction, got a lot of uh, uh, useful input as we uh, worked to complete the uh, deal parameters and, uh, and, and took it through to completion. And uh, you know had unanimous board support uh, for the transaction um, as we got to the finish line. Uh, so I think that the um, you know uh, the, the um, frequency and intensity of meetings was was strong because of this transaction, which I think will be very helpful for us. Uh, a lot of uh, tremendous insights uh, from the board. You know, strong new experience um, basis across uh, across various aspects. Um, so we've had. Um, I mean, as well as the five new board members, Greg Waters was relatively new, um, and uh, as a CEO of uh, several semiconductor co uh, companies, has you know provided great and helpful insights. 
Uh, Tom Linton joined, uh, is retired from Flextronics, but from that part of our business has provided uh, great insights. Uh, another uh, um, Jim Anderson, another uh, semiconductor CEO um, with Lattice Semiconductors. So a lot of lot of good business wisdom that uh, that has been uh, has been helpful. Um, you know, some you see that in the short term as we completed this auto transaction, but uh, more as we work to continue to drive our strategy and uh, and drive for global leadership in IoT solutions. Um, lots of uh, lots of great uh, great help coming from the board. Great, thanks for taking my questions. Thanks, Paul. Your next question comes from line of Scott Cyril from Roth Capital. Your line is open. Hey, good morning. Thanks for uh, taking my questions. Hey, just a couple of quick clarifications to to start off. Um, Ken, I'm not sure if I missed it, but did you quantify the top-line impact from uh, some of the component headwinds that you saw? And I just wanted to also clarify, um, could you give us an idea again about the size of the M2M uh, revenue base as well as um, employees? And then I want to make sure I heard clearly as well, embedded uh, broadband would have been up excluding auto. Is that correct? And I had a couple follow-ups. Um, well, let me let me uh, let me try to each uh, unpack uh, each of those. So, in terms of the uh, supply chain um, uh, impacts, no, we did not quantify that specifically. I think that uh, you know this has happened with um, COVID. Some of our manufacturers of parts had facilities that were closed, and and uh, and impacts on their supply chain that have fed through. So, we've been working very closely with our suppliers. What it meant for Q2 is some of the volume that we. Uh, would have shipped, could have shipped in Q2, uh, you know, rolls forward into Q3. And we have areas where, you know, we're we're growing faster than our, our lead times um, would necessitate uh, for some parts. So, you know, we continue to to work hard to uh, to get those complete. So we, um, you know, well, we expect that we will um, get all that product produced in the year. Um, we will substantially catch up in, in Q3, but not not completely likely. Um, but we'll, um, uh, you know, leave the comments at, at that level. Um, on the uh, on the M to M group, as we um, as we talked about that business, uh, you know, upon a, announcing it in January, it was uh, at about a uh, uh, just shy of a 10 million recurring revenue run rate. Um, we've fully integrated that business now, so we're not uh, breaking it out uh, discreetly. Um, very pleased with uh, you know with the progress. Uh, integrating some of our products into their offerings, taking some of their uh, good business tra- practices into other areas of uh, of our business that we've been been able to leverage. And um, I think on your your third question of embedded broadband and would it be up X auto? So the, the on a sequential basis, yes. On a year over year basis, um, as we mentioned before, the um, revenue from Lenovo and Dell, which was uh, you know a, a, a over 100 million annual run rate. Um, you know those businesses uh, were were lost before I joined, and that full impact of that uh, is in the numbers now. So on a year-on-year basis, no, it would be down because of uh, the impact of uh, of that PCOEM sector. Um, you know that said, our networking, uh, other part of embedded broadband in terms of networking, is 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 going along well. Um, so so pleased with that. And as I mentioned in my overall comments, if you take auto out. Um, the, all of the rest of our business combined was up sequentially from Q1. So, you know, um, X Auto, we were, um, you know, we were executing well. 
Great. And if I could, on the 5G front, exciting to hear that you guys are, are getting products into the marketplace and starting to get some design wins. Uh, certainly, it brings a higher ARPU along with it. Uh, but I was wondering about the recurring services opportunity. Do all of the 5G design wins have some component or opportunity uh, to attach that recurring revenue to it? And the ARPUs on that front, 5G, does it change the dynamic at all? Should it be higher for you guys? And and one other on the um, uh, the recurring services front now you're running north of 110 million kind of running where the break even is on that business and if you could just update us in terms of gross margins in that business did we see an improvement sequentially thanks okay um uh, you uh, you're, you're squeezing the questions in here nicely scott let me try to make sure i capture them all so on the on the 5g front you used the word arpu we tend to use arpu for our recurring revenue business i think that the um, device uh, value will be higher in 5G. So as we sell 5G devices, the average um, ASP that we will see per per module and when when it's included in our gateways will be higher. Um, our early areas, our design wins are mostly in our networking area, and those are areas we generally do not um, um, draw, attach recurring revenue to. So if it's another uh, routing um, customer that is selling 5G onto enterprises and enterprises typically doing the, uh, the connectivity themselves. Uh, we get more of our connectivity in industrial IoT where we will sell a complete solution to uh, a mobile machine maker that is selling devices around the world and uh, it speeds up time of market total cost of ownership to have our embedded connectivity on that. Um, on, on 5G, uh, you know, overall on our gateways, uh, you know, we will start to see recurring revenue off of uh, off of those businesses, uh, but uh, you know, as we segmented before, embedded broadband areas that we don't typically expect to drive uh, to drive 5G revenue. And given that it's so um, early, um, you know, a lot a lot of this work is uh, you know will be done you know, in tight conjunction uh, with the carriers, but we would expect that to evolve over time. Our uh, 5G gateways um, have uh, built into them the um, latest uh, LTE technology, so 5G coverage won't be ubiquitous on launch, uh, but it'll fall back to CAT20, which is the highest speed 4G technology available. Um, so it'll be be you know leveraging both 5G and uh, and 4G uh, overall. So I hope that answers the question about uh, about 5G, Scott. Yep, perfect. Okay, on the uh, on the recurring revenue side, we've talked before about our. Um, Gross margins on our on our recurring revenue aspects being around 40%, um, and that we expect that, that will continue to grow with scale. Um, so we are, you know, we're still on that exact same trajectory. I don't have an answer to your question about where the break even is on the on the connectivity side. Uh, perhaps that's something we can uh, we can take offline. Uh, but it's um, you know it, it's we're uh, you know we're pleased with both where we're going on overall growth. Uh, we're pleased with uh, continued progress on our wholesale costs to enhance that business. And as we continue to get uh, to get more scale in our products like Octave, where we do uh, advanced uh, analytics at the edge and uh, we transmit events versus data, uh, we're able to uh, increase our margins further because we can provide the same information value to the customer with a lower uh, payload over the air. So all of those aspects continue to grow towards reduced wholesale costs, uh, better compression at the edge, and overall scale benefits and cost our infrastructure are what drive increasing gross margins in our connectivity business as we continue to scale it. Great, thank you. 
And your next question comes from the line of Stephen Lee from Raymond James. Your line is open. Uh, thank you. A quick one for me, Kent. Um, the PCOEM, uh, so those lots uh, that were lost, uh, what's your outlook in terms of gaining them back? Interesting question, Steve. Um, <clears throat> so uh, what we've been focused on doing is trying to grow in areas where we have uh, market-leading products and differentiation. So when when you look at the um, customer examples that I went through where we're able to bring these sorts of um, customers uh, you know, to market, so a global medical device with embedded um, LPWA uh, and one module and our um, connectivity services embedded, that's highly differentiated. Nobody else has that sort of product on the market. Uh, in the in the PCOEM area, it's uh, it's hardware only, and it's sort of a less differentiated position. And you know that has been an area historically of design wins and design losses uh, over the HIC Sierra Wireless um, history. Um, so I would say it's an area of less strategic focus. Um, so going after trying to win back Lenovo or Dell's um, business, you know that could be some step function up and then step function down sort of products. We're looking to have uh, more steady and consistent growth. We have a number of, of uh, PCOEM customers that are, um, uh, you know, they continue with us and, and, and we value those customer relationships and work hard to continue to service their needs. But we're, you know, we're, we're focused on winning in, uh, in industrial IoT and enterprise and less so on big game hunting in a, in a couple of these areas. Um, so always opportunistic, but um, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect um, our, our gains are just going to be consistent from the strong overall pipeline that we have, uh, the Altar wins we talk about as those Altars converts into uh, recurring revenue, um, and uh, in areas like 5G where we'll see growth and uh, less focus on uh, um, you know a big step function change in in that part of the market. Makes sense. And, and Kent, the, the LTAR you provided, 20.4, how much was it year over year? Uh, up, down? Sorry, pardon me? The, the LTAR metric you gave for the Q2, yes. $20.4 million, how much was it uh, year over year? Yeah, so um, I don't have in my nose to hand last year's Q2, but we've had, this has been an area of strong growth. Last year we had $93 million of LTAR in total. Uh, through Q1 and Q2, we're over $60 million. So we're, uh, you know, we're, we're up strongly year on year. In Q2, the pipeline was strong. The conversations were strong. We're still seeing the demand for our services uh, be very present. Um, and it was um, uh, slowing of getting contracts uh, signed, you know, companies with uh, work from home and decision-making being somewhat delayed. So we are uh, you know, not expecting this, uh, the, the quarterly number to have an impact on our, on our goals and our success. And uh, my team's just messaged me in the background that, that even though Q2 was, um, you know, half of what Q1 was, it was still up 15% year on year. But I'm more focused on, you know, this, this continued overall growth that you'll see. So, you know, increase from the 93 million last year um, with uh, more and more at-bats as we attach our connectivity to our design wins on, on modules and gateways. Got it. Thanks, Ken. And we have no further questions at this time. I'll turn the call back to our presenters for closing remarks. Well, thank you very much. Very good questions this morning. I know it's a very busy uh, earnings day, so uh, we wanted to keep our, 
our comments quite succinct to uh, to help everybody out. Um, I will uh, just reiterate that we, uh, you know, we're we're uh, we're focused on uh, completing our auto divestiture um, and uh, our pursuit of, uh, of leadership in the IoT solutions and enterprise gateway space. So we'll continue to uh, to uh, update um, on those fronts, and uh, we'll uh, we'll look forward to completing um, Q3 and speaking to everybody at that point in time. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes today's conference call, and you may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.